0: you are so here thank you Lord the whole of this morning has been about just being in the presence of Jesus and worshipping him the lamb upon the throne that's what the whole of this morning has been about from the time we arrived right to this very moment it's about looking at you Jesus looking at you adoring you You are the lamb upon the throne. We worship you. We adore you. We praise you. Thank you, Jesus. Just let him continue to minister to you, wherever you are, wherever you come with this morning. heavy heart grieving heart pain sadness fear just imagine Jesus here he's just walked in in your mind's eye imagine him Coming to put his hand upon you. I love you. I love you. He's just sharing how much he loves you. I've loved you with an everlasting love. Can you imagine Jesus giving you a hug? Just wants to give you a hug. He's right here. Taking whatever pain that you're struggling with. Just look longingly into his face. Look longingly into his face because he is looking longingly into your face. Just see him say, I love you. I love you. You are so precious and honored in my sight. It's okay, my child. I have you. I have you in my arms. I will hold you. Fear not, for I am with you. I will hold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not, for I am holding you. Hallelujah. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. let Jesus bathe you in his love that's all he wants to do thank you. Oh, such a lovely sense of the Lord here this morning, just wanting to touch us in our where we're at, where we're at. We'll continue worshiping in a few moments as well. Ever since we've been here this morning, we've been focusing upon the throne, and it just seems that as a result of that, the Lord just wants to continue to minister in His lovely, lovely way. We're going to be concluding our series on the kingdom, coming down to land, bringing our series of the kingdom to a point where we can go out and take the kingdom of God into our world around. So I just want to read some passages as we do just that. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15 the seventh angel sounded his trumpet and there was loud voices in heaven which said the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our lord and of his christ and he will reign forever and ever the 24 elders those seated around the throne of god fell on their faces And worshipped God if we turn to Revelation 21 says then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea what does that mean I saw the holy city the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. There's the throne. The throne is here this morning. Jesus is here this morning. This is what he's saying. Now, the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. Jesus has been already with us here this morning, touching our lives. Then it says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. No more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. Amen? Amen? Let's hear that once again. He will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying, no more pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And all God's people said, Amen. <laughs> That's what we've got to know. I remember the day I was standing in Buckingham Palace waiting to see the Queen. She never turned up, of course, because I was waiting in the queue with 800 other people about to pay my 25 pounds to go into the state rooms of Buckingham Palace. But I'm sure all of the rest of those 800 people were expecting that the Queen might turn up and invite them personally for a cup of tea. But a few moments later, If you've been to the staterooms of Buckingham Palace, you will know that you go up a stairway and you get led into a corridor which leads you to a series of rooms. And those rooms have the sole purpose of directing your picture, directing your vision to one thing, the throne room. That's what you're looking at. That's where your eye is taken towards And it's that lovely picture that we see time and again of the Queen and Prince Philip standing in that place. And it's such a lovely picture because they're standing at the throne room there. And I'm sure it's a place where King Charles now meets uh, dignitaries from all over the world as they come uh, to meet him. And it's a a place of power and prestige as you stand there. It's an awesome experience. So as we come to close this series on the kingdom I hope that individually you have been thinking about the kingdom of God but also how the kingdom can come through your life. And I believe that there's no better place to finish the kingdom series than before the throne of God because we've experienced Jesus being here already this morning but to focus on him as we come Down to land in our series. Because that is what the book of Revelation wants us to do. It wants us to look at life from the perspective of being in the throne room and looking at life from that place. A few years ago, um, Pauline and I had the uh, wonder and joy of going on a cruise to Iceland. And at the end of the cruise, as we were coming back to England, we were given the opportunity to go to the bridge, uh, to go into the captain's presence. And we had 45 minutes with the captain as he talked us round all the different dials and, uh, and symbols and the machines that were going on there. And, and he, he sat in his place of control. And, and you know what steers the whole ship is a tiny stick about that big. And just a tiny movement to the left or right moves the whole ship in all different places. And he was telling us that as we came into our first port, um, he was told by the pilot, it's perfectly clear, you can go in. And as he entered the first port, the narrow entrance to the port, a large tanker came the other way. And he took back control from the pilot and took control of the ship. And he said, we managed to get in. And from that moment on, I felt I was in good hands. This man was in control. He knew what to do in a difficult situation. The whole drama of Revelation is played out from that place of control. It gives us the assurance that the one who is there is not panicked by the situations in the world. He's okay. He's sitting on the throne and all that goes on around He is in control. John is asking a question in his difficult circumstances. How am I going to stay faithful to God in my life situation? How can I stay faithful? It's a genuine pastoral need. That's what the book of Revelation is answering. A pastoral need. How can I stay faithful to the kingdom in this difficult situation? To help John stay faithful to Jesus' kingdom, John is given a revelation of the king on the throne, in the throne room of the kingdom. And you are expected, when you read the book of Revelation, to use your personal cinema, to turn on your personal cinema, to look at the pictures from that perspective. You have to picture yourself here in the throne room, looking at the life of Jesus, looking at the life of the church, and looking at the history of the world from that place. So let's look briefly at three scenes from the throne room. The first scene is the throne room itself. Now, you are allowed to close your eyes. We, we have been closing our eyes this morning because it's a wonderful place, because you can picture on your personal cinema what God is doing. We could see Jesus here with us this morning. And you are meant to imagine what's happening. But if you start to snore, the person next to you is allowed to nudge you and say, Jesus is coming. (laughs) And you're meant to wake up. So we turn to this passage again. I turn to this passage again and again because I can see the throne room and the throne is not empty. There in the middle of the throne, right in the very, is God himself. And in the middle of God is a lamb who was slain. And all of creation is singing, worthy is the lamb. I need that picture. Because as I look around the world at the moment... The kingdoms of the world are a disaster. We wonder where it's all going. And we need an alternative kingdom. We need something different to help us move forward. We need a different president of the United States. We don't possibly need President Trump. We need an alternative empire to Russia. To China, we need an alternative kingdom to Israel, Yemen. There is a deep longing in our hearts, isn't it? Give us an alternative kingdom, something different. And when we see the lamb upon the throne, we see a different kingdom. This short video I'm going to show you is looking at why the slam, why the lamb, was slain.
1: In the ancient world, many cultures told stories about a monster of death that lurks in the deep dark sea. In these tales, the dragon and the sea it lives in represent the chaos that threatens to drag creation
2: back into nothingness. The ancient authors of the Bible not only knew about these symbols, they also used them in stories and poems all over the Bible. Really? Dragons? In the Bible? Yes. On the first page of the Bible, God brings order by separating the dry land from the chaotic sea. And there, he contains the sea dragon. And this monster is connected to that dragon-like snake that confronts Adam and Eve in the garden. A spiritual being using the power of chaos and death to lure humans into their own self-destruction. Biblical authors also use dragon imagery to describe violent human kings, like Pharaoh, who enslaved and murdered the ancient Israelites. Even the famous Goliath, the details of his armor and weapons depict him as the scaly, snaky giant.
1: So the sea dragon is loose in all these forms, but it can be defeated.
2: Yes, but be careful because the power of the dragon is strangely appealing. A dragon slayer can be enticed to use the dragon's power.
1: And so become a dragon themselves. Right.
2: In fact, entire empires can become like dragons. During Israel's exile in Babylon, the prophet Daniel has a dream about four monstrous beasts rising up out of the sea. Whoa, mutant dragons? They represent violent kingdoms in league with dark spiritual powers. But then a new character appears, rising up from the land to sit beside God's throne. And as the dream ends, Daniel sees those monsters destroyed. So who is this dragon slayer? Well, Daniel calls him one like a son of man. The son
1: of man? That's what Jesus calls himself?
2: Yes, in fact. The gospel authors depict Jesus confronting the dragon in many ways. Like when he tramples over the stormy sea. Or when he resists the tempter in the wilderness. Or when he overcomes death and sickness in others. And even when the power of the dragon does its best to entice Jesus... Jesus doesn't give in. Jesus resists the dragon in a surprising way he surrenders his life and willingly enters the belly of the beast.
1: Wait, the dragon slayer is slain by the dragon?
2: Well, that's how it seemed. But Jesus trusted in God's power to create new life on the other side of chaos and death. And he called his followers to confront the dragon in the same way. Which means? Resist the temptation to use the violent, destructive ways of the dragon. And also, don't be afraid of it. Jesus' victory over the beast has created a way to escape its power. And trust in the power of God, who will one day defeat the dragon once and for all.
0: The Dragon Slayer by The Bible Project. Brilliant video. Such a vivid picture of why the lamb is slain and is on the throne all other kingdoms grow because they are enticed by the ways of the dragon the beast, the snake the monsters of chaos only the lamb the Lord Jesus Christ confronts the monster by allowing his life to be slain and the lamb trusts in the power of God to bring back his life that is scene one If in scene one, we see the Lamb upon the throne, in scene two, you're expected to do something else. In scene one, you're allowed to close your eyes. In scene two, you've got to open your ears. In scene two, you open your ears. There is a trumpet blast. In 11.15, it says, there is a trumpet blast. A few weeks ago, we had Kay's lovely mum, her funeral here in this chapel, in this church. And there was a trumpeter here who played to such amazing uh, descamps to all that was going on. You couldn't help take your ear away from it. It was just so powerful. It demanded attention. You needed to listen. And the, the trumpeter was declaring, Jesus is Lord in this situation. And that's what the trumpeter is doing here. The trumpeter is saying, Listen, the king is approaching. And then a choir sings. Not only does a trumpeter play, but the choir sings around the throne. The king of the world has become, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he will reign forever and ever. So is John experiencing this at the moment? The kingdom here? Not exactly. He's a prisoner on the Isle of Patmos. He's been banished there by the Roman emperor. The island is a desolate, uninhabited place and John is there to die, basically. As he lands on the desert island, the ship sails off and he's left to die. John writes this, I am banished to Patmos for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. It's interesting that we were looking we, we celebrated Chinese New Year yesterday, and Kay mentioned that this morning. Do you know that in China at the moment, they are changing, they are changing the definition of the human rights in order that people can be controlled? The new human rights definition by China is that our main purpose is for happiness and for development. The the classic definition of human worth and dignity is gradually being moved out so that China can say, what we think is for happiness, what we think is development, that is the way forward. And as a result, they can control Christian worship, They can control Christian evangelism. They can control Christian life. Isn't it amazing that 2,000 years after John is told that the kingdom of God is here, the kingdom is still at work in China, but it is still being held back by the dragons, the monsters of evil coming out from the sea. John is saying, is the kingdom here? This is the reality. If the first scene was seeing Jesus on the throne, this scene is showing us that being in the kingdom can sometimes be heart. Then we find ourselves saying, hey, hang on, God, where, where is the kingdom? My loved ones just passed away. I, I'm still in pain. We're still struggling day by day, trying to make ends meet. Where is the kingdom? Where is it? Do you know, in those moments, I have to take this word, when my mind starts to do that, and I have to say to myself, God, you promised Abraham your kingdom would come. You promised Isaiah that a saviour would be here. You promised it to Ezekiel. You promised it to Zechariah. Generation after generation, you promised A saviour would come, and the saviour came. But the prophets say, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. That's what that scene says. The best is yet to come. So if we've seen the first scene, if we've heard the second scene, let's come to the last scene. The third scene, what do we expect to see? Well, actually, we don't see a sea. Are you disappointed? We live by the sea. On my day off, I love walking by the sea. Christchurch Harbour is a lovely place to go to. But in the Revelation, we're told there's no more sea. Take your mind back to the video. Did you see what came from the sea? The monsters of chaos, destruction, symbolizing the kingdoms of the world that work alongside the kingdoms of darkness and evil to bring violence and terror to our world. That is where we are living at the moment. There is no more sea. And then this, when we read Revelation 21, we read that there is no more death, there is no more crying, there is no more pain, there is no more mourning. We need to hear that this morning. A few weeks ago, I was walking along the west wing of Bournemouth Hospital. And as I was walking along the west wing, I saw all the different people coming in for their appointments. And in my mind's eye, they were all lined up. I could see folks coming in by ambulance, on beds, with relators, being carried, being supported. And they were all in a line from the entrance of the West Wing right the way through to the atrium. There was a whole ring. There was so much pain. There was so much pain. Pain in people's hearts as they lost loved ones. Pain as they were struggling with their cancer treatment. Pain as they were struggling with losing eyesight. All the different pain and struggles. And I was thinking to myself, Lord, no more pain. No more pain. Why has there got to be this pain? And Jesus reminded me What we're saying today. Revelation chapter 21. There is no more sea because there is no more mourning, there is no more crying, there is no more pain. There is no more pain. That is what we see no more of. What do we see? We see a city. What do you think? I don't particularly want to see a city. How many cities do you know of the world which are really beautiful places? I don't know many beautiful cities. But Jesus is going to redeem the city. All the wonderful cultures, the wonderful musicians, the wonderful ideas, the culture, the science, the pictures, the art, the music, the dancing, the food... The smells, the color of all the different nations are going to be brought together. And the best of all the nations will be brought together in that city. That kingdom city, that garden city will be brought together. And what else is there? God is there. Jesus said, God says from the throne, the dwelling place of God is with men. We experienced that as we started today. The reality of Jesus being here. He is here. Can I read you a poem as I come to a conclusion? I love this poem. It talks about where we're aiming towards as we move towards the end of our kingdom series. It says this. It's not for a sign we are watching, for a kingdom above and below. The pouring out of vials of judgment, the sounding of trumpets of woe. Is it not? It is not for a day we are looking, not even the time yet to be, when the earth shall be filled with the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. What we wait for is the Lord, our beloved, our comforter, master and friend. The substance of all that we hope for the beginning of faith and its end. We watch for our Saviour and Bridegroom who loved us and made us his own. For him we are looking and longing. For Jesus and Jesus alone. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying. For Jesus will be here. Amen. Thank you, Duncan. Lots of pictures, isn't there, in in Revelation. Lots for us to get our minds around. Um, (coughs) But we're going to have our closing song which actually looks at the throne of god it reminds us where um some of the words from what duncan has been saying about uh you know we have a dragon slayer his name is jesus when satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the ge- guilt within upward i look and i see him there let's remember that jesus is always there he's always with us he was slain shall we stand let's sing before the throne of god before the throne of God above I have a strong and perfect plea A great high priest whose name is love Lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his.